Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. A left-wing agenda. Join us every week to be enlightened and entertained with an in-depth and truthful look at worldly events. From now on, it will be easier to refute the skewed news stories and liberal agendas prominent in today's mainstream ideology. Join us each week for the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, NCR podcast. Today's culture through a biblical lens. NCR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in for the National Crawford Roundtable Friday mornings at 9 and Saturday evenings at 7.30 here on the Mighty 670 KLTT. You're tuned to AM670, KLTT, KLTT HD, Commerce City, Denver. And now FM at 95.1 and streaming worldwide at 670KLTT.com. You are listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin with The Good News. Hello there, friend. It is Angie Austin. Hope your day is going well. We've got the Good News team here. Eric Raymer, Robbie Yopes. We've got Beatrice Bruno, the Drill Sergeant of Life, and also Rachel Maines of Corner Cafe, that uh, radio show. If you listen to that program, we'll tell you more about it. And also our new producer, Nicole. We're going to do a little hey, bit of Nicole. good news. Oh, there's a didn't pause for the round of applause. Sorry. i got to say, Nicole's doing a great <laughs> job with Corner Cafe. Nicole, 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 Nicole. And so it's her first week, so uh, she's getting used to us. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about Beatrice's uh, travel uh, and her speaking event down in the South. But first, Eric's got a good news story I for us. I do. Yeah. I do. Uh, you know, anybody here uh, do any scuba diving? Never. Do I want to learn. No. Do you? I do. That it's, well, it's like uh, on my list. No, my it's on your bucket list. All yeah. right. Well, uh, I came across a great story that uh, th- there's a father who is using, get this, scuba therapy to restore his paralyzed son's motor function. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. And it's working so well that now he's doing it for other people. Wow. The, uh, the, the story is amazing. Devastation and trauma hit, uh, struck David Lawrence's perfectly healthy, happy family, and the courageous father responded by making the impossible possible. At 11 years old, his son David Jr. underwent surgery on his brain stem to re- remove a life-threatening growth after the procedure, the surgeons and doctors said that David Jr. would never walk again. And uh, seeing the son paralyzed, of course, from the neck down, facing a life as a quadriplegic, David Sr. stayed by his son's side through months of intensive uh, rehabilitation. And the David, or D- the senior, the father, decided to come across or, or came across a hyperbaric oxygen treatment, and now takes his son under the water, hmm. does scuba. You know, and, and I'm talking like in a pool, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But does uh, this this therapy, does a physical workout under the water. Wow. And uh, he's seeing some remarkable results. Really? 
Right? Oh, wow. You know, you, okay. anytime, you know, we saw, um, oh gosh, what's the the Olympian's name who uh, had uh, married to the kicker, the Denver Broncos kicker, who rolled their... Yes, uh, the swimmer. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry, I forgot her name, but but she rolled her her uh, quad, quad, you know, little racer, and uh, now she is a paraplegic, mm-hmm. and um, but the spirit in her says, I'm never going to stop. Amen. Trying to recover, right? Doing Amy that. Van Dyke, that's and that's why Thank I won't you. let my kids ride ATVs because she was such an amazing athlete in right. the Olympics, mm. and uh, she paralyzed from the waist down yes. because of this uh, ATV accident. So I, I, it severed her spinal cord. It, it did, and yet you know you, you've got this. I mean, I've seen remarkable things from her and others, mm-hmm. and when you come to this place where you think, well, gosh, you know, this seems impossible. I like to believe that's where God starts, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Amen. I mean, our God is the one who spoke that's right. and right. created all that's things. Right. Right. That's so right. it doesn't get much more impossible than that. Well, um, I love the idea, though, of thinking outside of the box. I think so many people just give up and, well, the doctor said this, and it's a done deal. And I have interviewed a couple of people who've been given that diagnosis. Yeah. And one guy was in a really bad motocross accident, and he... for. <laughs> He moved his toe, and then he, he has a contract now with Red Bull because he does these crazy things where he'll walk across, like, Death Valley, but he does it with, um, like, a walker that he has kind of, like, fashioned for himself, and it might take him to walk a block, like, three hours. Yeah, yeah. But he just keeps going one little inch at a time. You know, every step forward is not a step backward, right? That's right. And, and mm-hmm. uh, looking at this story, the, the therapy that... Um, this, this gentleman uses, David Lawrence, uh, developed over the last 10 years, has served to help people with disabilities and special neurological dis- uh, needs to improve their muscle tone, reduce their pain and spasms, stand up and actually walk with a quad cane, uh, and even progress to walking unassisted. Wow. Uh, you know, scuba therapy involves or improves lung, lung function, lymphedema, and it bo- boosts the lymphatic system. Okay. Get in the water, people. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's fantastic. Mm. And um, I, I have a dear friend who was my uh, former business partner and she was terrified. Her her husband loves to, to do things new. So he was taking scuba lessons. She doesn't like to go under the water. Mm-mm. She likes to be in the water. Doesn't like to go under the water. And I watched her a couple of years ago strap on a scuba scuba gear and uh, train in the pool. And then a couple of days later. She was 45 feet under the water. Mm-mm. Just remarkable, remarkable. And she didn't need the therapy. Uh, at least I don't think she did. But, you know, to see this kind of stuff, that's, that's the essence of good news, is coming up with new things to help people in whatever they struggle with. And I love when parents, Amen. you know, do... Uh, I, I have a, a good news story that kind of involves uh, something similar in terms of a parent thinking outside the box. And this guy's telling the story, Tom, and his... Um, brother and sister, they were attending uh, pretty much an all-white school in Ohio, uh, and in his childhood, his Middle Eastern food uh, was, did not smell good to his classmates, so they made fun of them all, right? And so he so came home and said, could you just please pack me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Aww. You know, he didn't want all of the smells of his Middle Eastern food that embarrassed him, and uh the siblings said, yeah, they also wanted those Wonder Bread sandwiches and apples. So he said, to his surprise, uh, his teacher announced that none of the students should bring their lunches or lunch money tomorrow. 
He said, unbeknownst to me, the next day in comes my mother. <laughs> she was an artist. She dressed like an artist. She spoke like an artist. She had an attitude like an artist, so very colorful. <laughs> she was very crafty and employing Middle Eastern hospitality to soften the edges of people around her. And she came and served them a Middle Eastern lunch with her Middle Eastern flair. Mm. And no longer were they made fun of for bringing the Middle Eastern lunches. Right. And again, mm-hmm. a parent thinking outside of the box, yeah. which I That's think we're good. afraid to do because we're afraid <laughs> the kids will be embarrassed. But here she ended up being, you know, the um, hero of the day. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. they tasted that food and they're like, wow, right? this is good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Cumin, yeah. C- when I was uh, an evangelist and a Christian illusionist, I toured to Sri Lanka on one of my world hmm. tours. Wow. And um, <laughs> oh, wow. I I got from ground level, sea level, up to the the... I don't remember what the height was, but where they grow the tea, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a huge distance or, you know, difference in, in height. And I got up there, and um, I got super, super ill. Oh, the I altitude. Mean, really ill. Now, you know, you would think that it was the altitude, but when I got done with it, the pastor goes, yeah, every evangelist that we ever had goes up there and gets sick. It's spiritual. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, wow. yeah, you could have led with that. Uh, but I was up there, and I was really violently ill. And this uh, old woman came to me with a cup of water and boiled cumin, right? The oh, the really? spice, cumin. Yeah, yeah. And to this day, I have a very difficult time looking cumin in the eye. It, it's it's not. <laughs> really? Oh, goodness. Uh, you know, I'm talking about not just a, a pinch. It didn't help you. No, it helped immediately. It oh, wow. stopped my violent uh, uh, projectile vomit. I mean, immediately. Wow. But she made me drink it all. And and um, cumin. No, I like cumin. but but you know it adds. Isn't that turmeric, the yellow. No, no, it's spice? different. Oh, it's different. Yeah, okay. Cumin, it, it was turmeric, cumin. Those are all garam masala. Those are all Middle Eastern spices, right? Yeah, yeah. But, good. Wow. Good and, and now, I put cumin in almost everything. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I do. It it adds a certain je ne sais quoi, right? Uh, and and I love it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So there you go. Alrighty then. Well, teachers, uh, you know, Michelle Ron, who is a frequent guest in our program, Miss Senior America 2004, and she doesn't like being called senior, so I thought her sash should say Miss Experienced America. Experienced America. And I thought people might think that's too racy, Mm. you know, because it has a connotation. (laughs) She's always saying, I'm experienced. I'm not a senior. I'm I'm 77 years experienced. You might be 76. I better watch myself. Anyway, experienced. Yeah, not old. She doesn't say that word, old. But um, the teachers, too, um, they need a lot of help. They need a lot of assistance. I'm in the schools quite a bit, elementary and middle right now, and there's a lot they have to deal with. You know, there's the vaping, and there's fights on the buses. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, In fact, we, bought the bus, uh, d- we brought the bus driver a plate of cookies the other day because my daughter was so mad that they got assigned seating. And um, Grandpa said, you know how you can handle that? You bring her flowers or a plate of cookies. You tell her she's the best bus driver you've ever had. She goes, well, I can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we just said, thank you for being our bus driver. That's what go. it said. All right, so speaking of teachers, uh, you, you probably have heard of Neil Patrick Harris. He wears many hats. He's an award-winning actor, producer, children's book author, which I want to get into as well. And Eric tells me just an amazing ma- magician Very as well. Very accomplished. He's the president of the American uh, Society of Magicians. And that has to do with his authoring as well because he yeah. does these uh, books that involve that as well. He's a father of two, 
and he's on hand with us in this partnered interview to talk about how he plans to uh, stay sane this back-to-school season. Yeah, good luck with that, as well as his latest projects, including his partnership with Quaker to help teachers. Welcome, Neil. I had 12 kids over at my house on a trampoline the other night because school's, you know, back for us already. And, uh, yeah, the sanity part is questionable for me. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm impressed that you have a trampoline. I'm a big <laughs> acrobatics guy, so 12 kids on a tramp, that's, that's a collarbone waiting to be broken. Good for you. I know. My husband's like, that's so unsafe. I'm like, yes, but it's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> Think of the selfies. <laughs> right. All right, so let's talk about, first of all, I know you're uh, uh, partnering with Quakers, so talk about that first. Yeah, it's back to school season, right? And and uh, so our kids are entering. We have twins, and they're entering the third grade, and it's oh. just a, it's a it's a big year. And uh, our kids are in a wonderful school, um, but you're I'm still just very protective and concerned about the teachers and and how they're treated. So uh, Quaker Chewy Bars, which we've eaten as a family for a long time, and we love. They had this initiative um, that is to support teachers and they asked if I'd partner with them and I said yeah tell me more so here's what it is if you pick up a box of your favorite flavor Quaker Chewy bars which we do a lot and then you go to choosechewy.com simple website you enter the UPC code that's on the box the little number code there uh, every time someone does that then Quaker donates a dollar to adoptaclassroom.org this great organization they do that all through the month of September as people keep doing it, up to $250,000 that will then be donated to teachers uh, in need of things like school supplies and uh, things to help out with their classroom. And I just thought that was amazing. I didn't quite realize that so many teachers, a vast majority of teachers, end up out of pocket um, every year by seven, dollars $800. Uh, on school supplies that they just have to, on pencils and erasers that they have to just buy themselves for their own classrooms. And that seems not so crazy to me. So um, Quaker asked if I'd be a part of it. I already like the bars. It's easy to promote them. Um, they're nutritious as, as well. But I think the idea of in a back-to-school headspace, honoring teachers and giving them support for a great school year seems like uh, something worth crowing about. Yeah, I love that. And I love the idea, too, that we get a lot of, like, those sign-ups, you know, for volunteers in the classroom. And mm. when we're doing field trips, we have to pay now. And I always pay double and say, hey, if there's a kid that can't pay, here's a little extra. I mean, I know the school covers it, but why can't we do that extra little bit? And if we can partner with a big company that wants to help us do that extra little bit, why not make the effort to be every part of little it? Every little bit helps. And if you go to the, that website, if you go to choosechewy.com, you don't have to enter a UPC code if you don't want to. That's great if you can. You can also... Um, uh, enter a teacher that you think is special into a, a sweepstakes, and they can win 500 bucks in supplies, uh, school supplies for them individually. So I really do think they're putting their their money where their mouth is, which is kind of ironic, or not so mm -hmm. uh, ironic, given that it's a food company, um, to 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 support teachers. Teachers uh, are amazing. I like the idea too of the well, the $500 first of all goes you know quite a ways. And that's yeah. um, and they're actually in a lot of their products are in a lot of school lunches. We just you know I shop at Sam's Club and Costco because we've got at least six in the house at a time, and so I'll buy the big boxes of the bars to stick into their lunches or bring us snacks or whatever, and they can put down some food. And by the way, third grade that's one of my favorites because being 
I do a lot of TV work too. So, you know, they're so unimpressed by us. You know, you go in and you try to tell them about like how to do the weather or what you do. And they're like, they raise their hand. Yes. Do you have a question about cumulus clouds? No, my grandpa, he wears hats and he has one leg. (laughs) I like how random they are at times. It keeps me on my toes. But I also just, this is their age right now for me with, you know, reading is a big deal in my life as well. I, I write uh, children's middle grade books, and we've read our kids' books ever since they were able to sit up straight. Um, and now right eight, eight into nine is when they're not only just reading beginner's books, but they're starting to be able to go to a library, a bookstore, or a shelf in the house and just pick out a book that they want to read and be able to read it. And that independency, I think, is just super important and inspired and and it makes me appreciate that I don't have to steer them towards what I think they should learn, mm-hmm. but I get to sit back and observe them learn what they want to learn, and that's so telling and such an interesting part of being a parent. I know a lot about your acting and you know the awards and the award shows that you do, but what got you started writing a middle school uh, grade fiction series? I've got a few middle schoolers, and they're they're a hard uh, nut to crack per se. Uh, what started you, uh, you know, in that genre? My hobby is magic, and I've done I, I've I've studied magic ever since I was a little kid, and um, and I've done it on talk shows, and I became the president of the Magic Castle in Los Angeles for three years, and so I've been a big proponent of magic, and I always thought, oh, it would be interesting to write a, a a picture book or something for kids that had to do with magic, where they could learn a magic trick or two, and then there could be a simple storyline. Maybe some kids all like mm, different elements of real magic, not. In, actual practical magic, not uh, wands and wizards, but uh, coins and cards. And, uh, and so that was kind of my idea because I was reading our kids' picture books. But then I realized, oh, wait, they get older. And so picture books can become chapter books. And then by doing that, you can really fill out a story. So that's what I did. It's called The Magic Misfits. It's four books. Um, the third book is just about to come out next week on the 10th. Um, it's called The Minor Third. And it follows this group of misfits, kids who feel like they're kind of uh, nerdy because they like something like magic, and they're actually able to use their skills uh, together and the skills of magic, misdirection and practice and being a couple steps ahead to help save the fictitious town that they're in. So it's four, it's four books like Four Suits of a Deck, and there's, there's Teach a Trick Magic stuff inside of it. There's hidden codes inside of it because I just, I don't know, I respect that. That's when I was reading the most, and I, and I really like writing towards kids uh, with respect that they deserve. I don't like mm-hmm. to write down to kids. You know, I want, I want them to feel like, wait a second, if I read this again, but if I hold it up to the light, is it, oh, wait a minute, if I, is, this a, is this some sort of secret code? Can I actually go to a website and, like, and learn more? I, I don't know. I'm into that kind of oh. mentality. All right, I'm going to check it out because I've got a 10-year-old girl who's totally into magic, so I'll check that Hi. out for sure. Hey, we just took a, an adventure because, you know, I worked at NBC in L.A. for years, so we took a three-year, the whole summer I took all the kids to L.A. We did, the whole family, and lived Ooh. out there for the summer. We're normally in the mountains in Colorado. Any place that you, I love the family adventure. Like, I would be in an RV homeschooling my kids all year if my husband would allow me to. So any, like, bucket list place or fun thing you like to do with your kids or fun place to take them when they're not in school? Well, we live in, on the East Coast, so we're, we're New Yorkers. So thankfully we have this giant Central Park, uh, and you can go up, upstate to the Cloisters. You can go even further upstate to the Berkshires, uh, to Long Island. 
we just w recently went to Tennessee um, to a place called Blackberry Farm, which was just super spectacular fly fishing and uh, amazing farming. Um, I'm a big immersive theater fan. I'm a big fan of experiential education, whether that be Cirque du Soleil or uh, going on a hike or exploring a new country, because I think whether you're a kid or an adult, if you can learn something outside of the structure you're normally learning it in, right, if you can get yeah. out of a classroom or if you can get away from the screen, um, you, 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 you fumble and you fail sometimes, and through that, it, that's how you learn the most. And so, um, so I love that you – what a cool thing to do to go from oh. Colorado to – to Los Angeles. Yeah, the whale watching. Go to the Malibu, Malibu Mountains and do all that stuff. Yeah, we did whale watching in um, uh, Alcatraz, right. and we went out to, you know, boogie boarding Ooh. and, oh, the uh, Getty Museum. So I, I know I'm out of time, but thank you so much. It was so great to talk to you. I know that I focus more on the kids, but that's what we're doing here. Uh, so give me the website again if we'd like to nominate a teacher. Yeah, of course. It's choosechewy, dot com, And then uh, you can enter that UPC code and get a whole bunch of money going to, to teachers who need it. Excellent. Thanks, Neil. Sorry I went so long. It was fun. No worries. Thanks. The good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670kltt.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hi, my name's Bobby, and I've worked at the Ark for about seven years. My favorite part of working at the Ark is just making a lot of new friends. And at the Ark, we're always doing awesome stuff together. It's important to shop at the Ark because it's shopping with a purpose. Shopping with a purpose means helping people with disabilities, and it really helps people like me. And the Ark makes it easy to donate. You can either visit a donation center or you can call 303-238-JANE. And an Ark truck will come and pick up your stuff. Remember to shop at the Ark because you always find good deals. Also, remember when you do, you help people just like me. For more information or to schedule a pickup, call 303-238-JANE or go to oakthrift.org. My name is Bobby and I love working at the Oak. Hi, it's Angie. Thanks so much for listening to The Good News. If you like The Good News program and you'd like to support us, we need to partner up with businesses to keep this show going. I'd really like to keep it on the air, and I need advertisers in order to do that. And I'd love to partner with you and help you build your business or your website. Maybe you're a nonprofit and you'd like to do an interview and you'd like to donate to us so that we can help you get donations as well. AngieAustinRadio.com. AngieAustinRadio.com. Just click on Contact Me. I would would love to partner up with you. I think this is a great program. We've been on the air for about seven years now, and I think a lot of people have gotten a ray of sunshine and some faith and even a little fun from this program. So if you'd like to support us, please go to AngieAustinRadio.com. We would like to help you build your business or nonprofit as well. AngieAustinRadio.com and click on contact. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you build your business. Well, hello, hello, friends. This is producer Dave. I'm here with my next installment of my great author series. Actually, this is not a book author, though. This is a really exciting project that I that I found out about. Um, I'm going to be talking with Emily Hibbard 
Uh, she's a very predominant uh, social leader. She's a community leader. She's a very highly educated. She's traveled all over the whole world, um, even at a very young age. Uh, she's the youngest person to do a lot of the things that she's been doing. Uh, we're we're going to get right into it, but we're going to be talking about um, this this project that she's good that she's uh, been working on called the honor project it's a documentary that's going to come out on father's day that's the 16th of june 2019 that's only a couple of weeks away but this is a project where she went around the community and talked to real real people about the experience of being a dad and i have personal experience being a dad so i'm very interested in this and i do think that it's kind of a unsung hero type of situation and uh, a lot of people in the world think maybe we don't need dads anymore but i couldn't disagree more and i think emily is going to tell us the same thing hello emily how are you today hi Dave. thanks so much for having me yeah, it's so exciting to have you on the show i was reading about you and some of your accomplishments um you know how, how you're a community leader you're on that neighborhood council in uh in california and how you grew mm -hmm. up and you went to uh northridge and you went to apu and um I have a lot of friends that actually went out there. I grew up in California, so I know a lot of that area, and I just oh, think okay. it's, it's not easy to do a lot of the things that you've done, particularly being so young and uh, and a woman, and I'm sure that you've had a lot of backlash, and I think that it's really, really cool that you take all this experience and you can kind of transfer it to somebody else that, I mean, some something outside of your scope, that is dad's, and I think that I, I think that's very admirable, and I kind of want to know where this idea came from, and, uh, you know, and why you decided this was going to be such a big deal yeah thank you and you know a lot of a lot of those things that people would look at and call accomplishments i never really thought of them as accomplishments because i grew up with a dad who told me i was just as pretty smart and capable as everyone else and to give it a go and so anytime that i had a crazy idea like visiting all seven continents by the time i was 30 my dad was the first person to say, okay, here's how you do it. You need a few bucks, you need a passport. So I really do attribute most of that to, um, to my dad's support. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, so obviously your dad has a huge influence on this, and and but you also saw something else within the community. So you see that your dad is this great guy who helps you so many ways, but you saw that maybe there's other other guys that are doing that that aren't getting the recognition. Is that how it Yeah. Oh my gosh, absolutely. You know, people people have been asking me, do you think this is a good time for a documentary on men and fathers? And I said, no, I don't think it's a good time. I think it is the time for a documentary on fathers and men. Because, I mean, to state the obvious, there's a lot happening in our country and world right now. And I don't know about the rest of the country, but particularly in Los Angeles and California, men are being made out to be these you know, violent sexual predators who, you know, impregnate women and abandon their children, and through Honor Project's documentary, I guess it's my way, you could say, of standing up and saying, hi, I'm Emily, and I totally disagree. Well, that's great. I mean, I totally see that, and it's like this idea, you know, you see it all the, everywhere with the, I mean, the Me Too movement was a huge one, but you see it everywhere. It's like somehow... If you're a man, you can walk around with your head down and nobody's ever going to hurt you and nothing's going to happen. But at the same time, if you're a woman, you got to be on your head on a swivel all the time because of all the evil men out there. And I, I love this mm -hmm. idea that that's just not true. No, that, and that hasn't been my experience. And don't get me wrong, there's some clowns out there. I've had clowns in my life, but they don't last very long. And the, the men in this documentary, so I follow around 20 different men here in the Los Angeles area, all different cultures, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, my dad, you know, being one of them. 
And the cool part about this documentary is that I didn't have to post a casting call looking for guys that are really great dads. I had the honor and the privilege of, I already know these guys. These are all men who I've known. They're either personal friends of mine or some of the older guys are married to women who have been mentoring me for quite some time. So when I had the idea to do this project on men and fathers, I grabbed my iPhone and just started making calls. Yeah, that's great. And then I know that it kind of started with uh, somebody else that you knew within the, uh, I'm sorry, it's called the Neighborhood Council there. It's kind of like a city council. Mm -hmm. And you met somebody there who was a dad, and that kind of what's got the ball rolling. Can you tell us a little bit about how that relationship developed, about who he is as a person, and how that sparked your interest to keep going? Oh, sure. So Los Angeles, as you probably know, is a really big city. And so we have what's called the Neighborhood Councils, and it's an extension of the L.A. City Council. And it's neighborhood-specific. And so I live in a city called Studio City. And as it sounds, there's a lot of studios. I live by a lot of studios. And so there's a neighborhood council here in Studio City that I was on the board of. And one of the guys in the documentary, Eli Littman, he served on a different neighborhood council. And so it was really cool to reach out and incorporate him in the documentary because he belongs to what's called the L.A. Dads Group. And it's an L.A. chapter of a larger organization called City Dads Group, which before all this I'd never heard about. But throughout the country, there's about 35 chapters for dads. And basically, it's dads that get together that deal and deal with things, everything having to do with fatherhood, young kids, older kids, anything. And so this group does, we feature them in the documentary, but they do a really good job on being intentional um, regarding fatherhood. That's great. I'm actually, you know, I'm so active on social media. I go, well, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, stuff like that. And I am part of a couple dad groups, but it seems like all the dad groups are nothing but dad jokes and kind of <laughs> playing on cliches about it. And I'm kind of more interested, like, not, not that everyone's going to be the same kind of father. I mean, there's lots of different ways to be a father. There's lots of different ways to be a man. And I think that uh, society's kind of skewing this all together that if you're not this one particular thing that means you're not that thing and suddenly you have to create this new identity and I kind of get the feeling that this movie is going to kind of delve into that. I think it does. You know, because we follow around 20 different guys, we show 20 different ways of fathering. Every guy's unique, every person's unique and so of course how they parent, how they father is going to be unique. We have some dads that are stay-at-home dads. We have some dads that work full-time. We have some dads that are in arts and entertainment. Uh, we have one dad. He immigrated from Guatemala. He is now, uh, he's known as the carpenter to the stars here in L.A. and works on, you know, the biggest and the best houses, houses in L.A. And so everyone is a little bit different. And one of the things that I like about Honor Project documentary is that it embraces that, that fatherhood doesn't have to be this cookie-cutter, rubber-stamp way of going about it, but it can have a million different faces, and I think we, uh, I think we show that. That's really cool. I'm excited about it. So uh, uh, before we get to the next part, uh, I just want to say that this is Producer Dave. You're listening to The Good News. I'm talking with Emily Hibbard about her m new movie coming out on Father's Day, the 16th, just two weeks away. Um, it's called The Honor Project, and this is a project where she goes around. She, she films all the day in the life of lots of different kinds of dads because she wanted to highlight 
all the different ways that we can be dads and good and how many good dads there are out there. And I think that it's really important to point all that stuff out. I mean, uh, you know, not I, not that I want to discount what moms do. Moms are awesome, and we the world mm-hmm. wouldn't be here without them. However, dads are very important too, and I appreciate this just because I am also part of that group. Now, Emily, making a movie can't be easy, and I know a lot of people have this idea that being a movie producer means you're the guy on the sound studio that's sipping the Starbucks coffee and then just pointing at things (laughs) while everyone else takes care of everything. That is not the case. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the challenges that you faced and some of the things that you learned about yourself through this journey? Sure. Producing is not for the faint of heart. I do not have a background in arts and entertainment. I grew up in a family. Uh, My grandfather started a manufacturing company here in Los Angeles in 1949, and myself and my sisters are the third generation with it. We manufacture spiral paper tubes, like toilet paper tubes, paper towel tubes, wrapping paper tubes, that boring thing that everyone throws away. I grew up learning how to make that. (laughs) And so as I got older, working with, we usually have between about 45 and 50 employees, most most of which have been working for my family since I was in diapers. I'm very low turnover. And so I learned early on how to work with people. Um, And all of those skills that I learned from working in manufacturing absolutely carried over. It's important to be very organized. We had 20 different dads. Uh, They all have different schedules. I mean, imagine 20 married couples with kids trying to coordinate that. That alone is a full-time job. Um, And then equipment, cameras, lighting, uh, audio, uh, packing that up, moving that around. And then, of course, my dad says for his part, he wants to go to the Arctic Ocean, which (laughs) an understatement throws a wrench in in the whole system. Um, But it, oh man, it it is challenging, it's hard, and it's a, it's, a, it's a slow process, but watching everything come together, it was absolutely worth it. But just seeing that final project just, just makes you mm-hmm. so excited. And, uh, and it's, pre- it's pretty much ready, right? Just waiting for release, and have you seen it, and what do you think about it, and do you ed- edit it, and are you involved in all that? So you've actually seen it? Yes, I've seen, I've seen lots of different drafts along the way. No, I am not the editor. We've had a team of editors working on this that they they do what they are best at. Um, but everything is ready to go and ready for Father's Day weekend. That's so cool. Um, yeah, I, before I, get, I actually have a question about the City Dads group that, that I want to know what you learned from there. But first I wanted to point out that you mentioned that your grandfather started a business that you worked at and that you work at now and that has helped a lot of people. I was wondering if do you think that your relationship with your grandfather, if you had one, had an uh, impact on your interest in, in dads and stuff like that, too, like your dad did? I, I think absolutely. My, my grandfather, he was definitely the World War II generation. He, you know, he fought in World War II. Uh, he, he had three kids, uh, my, my dad being one of them, and I grew up with family. I grew up in family. My parents were coming up on about 45 years of marriage. My grandfather and his wife were married much longer than that. They lived well into their 80s and 90s. And so growing up around family, particularly two-parent homes, um, I became accustomed to having cheerleaders in my life, having men cheerleaders. Like I said earlier, my dad always told me that I was, you know, just as pretty smart and capable as as everyone else. And he he parented very similarly to 
um, to my grandfather, very much, uh, very encouraging. Go, go out there, see what's out there. Uh, one of the things that my, my dad used to tell uh, myself and my sisters were, be on your best behavior, protect yourself at all times, and never be afraid to throw the first punch. And like, you know, in elementary school, I'm a girl. I'm, like, what you, I'm not punching anybody. Right. You know, why? <laughs> what, what is this? But my, my grandfather and my dad both valued very highly protection. And so my dad having three daughters, protection was very important to him. Right. And I never thought much about it. I kind of rolled my eyes growing up when he would tell us that. But a few years ago, I was mugged at a bank. And coming from work, I'm wearing high heels. Before I realized what was happening, I was running after the guy, right? <laughs> I grab him, uh, grab the back of his shirt. I take him down to the ground, and I put the guy in a rear naked choke. Now, I'm not into all that, like karate, kung fu, MMA stuff, but before I realized what was happening, I, I mean, I swear I turned to Jason Bourne from Bourne Identity, <laughs> and I had skills. That's and so cool. I have to attribute that to my dad, who constantly told me, you know, growing up, bad things happen to good people. And when your moment comes, it's important to be prepared. And so for whatever reason, the Hibbert men, they value that. And I feel like they've prepared me well for those bumps in the road. When real life happens, and um, it's not ideal, but to be prepared, and here's how we navigate that. I think that's great. I love that you're doing this. It's funny because for a long time I've noticed, you know, at the Super Bowl, uh, they, they go up to the MVP of the Super Bowl and they say, hey, you know, like, uh, you know, how are you doing? You just won the Super Bowl. And they're like, thanks, Mom. And I'm like, has Mom ever even played catch with you? <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you know, but we always get that, but that's fine. You know, but that's kind of the role of the dad, though. But So um, I actually uh, – we're, we're – too quickly running into town. I wanted to ask about the city dads group um, and just kind of what you could get from that as a dad. But I really, I think I'm more interested. I want to hear about this Indian or the Arctic Ocean trip that you took with your father that is part of the movie. And can you tell us a little bit about that before the end of this interview? And we can kind of tell everybody um, where they can go see the movie and where to find it. I would love to. The Arctic Ocean is 3,700 miles from Los Angeles. That is a lot of driving. Uh, my dad and my mom left a few weeks, I want to say three to four weeks before me. We were still filming down in L.A. They started driving up um, in my dad's favorite Land Cruiser, and I met them in Whitehorse, Yukon in Canada. Um, and together after that, we drove from there. So we basically mounted a whole bunch of GoPro cameras in the Land Cruiser and drove the rest of the way up to the Arctic Ocean. And the, the cool part about that is growing up, I would always go kayaking with, you know, with my dad. We're not too far here uh, from the ocean. And so growing up, we, we would kayak. That was, that was kind of our thing. Um, back in 2010, my dad and I kayaked in Antarctica. So that was pretty cool. So he thought, well, let's do both of the poles. And so that was his, uh, that was his ultimate destination and ultimate goal was to kayak in the Arctic Ocean so that together both of us could kayak in both the, uh, Antarctica and the Arctic Ocean, which I actually reached out to the Guinness Book of World Records and said, hey, uh, are we just going to do a kayak at both poles? So, you know, we'll see, um, we'll see how that goes. That'd be cool. <laughs> cool little bonus. Yeah. So that's cool. And I mean, that's such an amazing trip. And that's a once in a lifetime type of thing that you get to do with your father. You probably learned a lot about each other on that trip. And, um, and, and, the best part is you got to document it all and, and add it to your wonderful movie that's coming out. Um, yeah. I, I think that's amazing. Uh, and I really, I commend you for this project and I think that it's really great. Now, can, in the last couple minutes, I want to 
tell everyone where they can go see the movie or you know when it's going to come out and how what we need to do to see it and then kind of tell us what your last thought is what what you want us to take away from this movie yeah thank you so uh as we mentioned before honor project documentary is being released to dvd and digital download on honorprojectmovie.com and that'll be father's day so uh june 14th we'll release it that's the friday and then we'll have our red carpet and movie premiere here in Los Angeles on 16th, actual Father's Day. Um, as far as a takeaway, I would, I would really like for people after they watch, uh, after they watch the documentary, to, to get a sense of of honor. Um, I feel like respect is earned and honor is given, and. We as women have this unique ability to honor the men in our lives. We can honor our fathers, honor our husbands, our boyfriends, um, sons. There's, there's something beautiful that happens in a man's heart when we as women honor that. I'd also like to see forgiveness. Um, forgive your father, forgive your kids. There's a lot of... There's a lot of ways that fatherhood can impact and affect people. Sometimes it's it's not the most kind. It's not it, it's not the best experience. Forgiveness is powerful, and as believers, it leaves the enemy holding nothing. Forgiveness is very pow- powerful. So I'd like to see honor and and forgiveness um, get a comeback. I love that. I. I... Everybody, please go see this movie. Emily, thank you so much. This was a wonderful interview. I hope that you're uh, smashing success with this with this project. Um, I, I totally uh, understand and love this idea of honor and respect and forgiveness, and there's a lot of things that you can do. And I like that you highlight all the different ways that dads can be dads. And even though it's not the same way that you're a dad or your dad was a dad or somebody else is a dad, it's everybody has their own way of doing it. And it's all wonderful and beautiful. And that there's so many ways that we can impact the world together. And thank you so much. And I, I thank you for honoring us as dads with this movie and with all of your hard work. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. Everyone go out and see it. The Honor Project, honorproject.com. Emily Hibbard, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Dave. There is so much fun stuff to do at the YMCA of the Rockies, you're never going to want to leave. Come fill your days and nights with our exciting programs and entertaining activities. At YMCA Snow Mountain Ranch, this fall you can join our Intro to Outdoor Skills Weekends. You can learn how to properly pack your backpack, learn orienteering skills, hone your rock climbing skills, and so much more. YMCA has made Snow Mountain Ranch the place where the entire family can adventure together. YMCA Snow Mountain Ranch is the ideal family vacation, located in a stunning environment that helps build healthy minds, bodies, and spirits for all. At the YMCA of the Rockies, we love to provide real bonding experiences for families of all sizes. Go to ymcarockies.org for fun, exciting, and affordable family adventures at YMCA of the Rockies. Book your stay at ymcarockies.org today. Hey, Angie Austin here. Welcome back. Well, each year, Labor Day week is also National Payroll Week, cha-ching, cha-ching, which recognizes the hard work of America's 150 million wage earners and the payroll professionals who prepare their paychecks. And that's a pretty important thing. So today we have an interview for anyone who has ever looked at their pay stub and wondered, what does all this mean? This is kind of confusing. Joining us is William Dunn of the American Payroll Association, here to encourage everyone to do a 
paycheck checkup. Welcome, William. Hi, thank you. All right, so give us a little info about, just in general, National Payroll Week. Sure. National Payroll Week is an annual celebration that takes place during the week of Labor Day. It was founded by the American Payroll Association to recognize the hard work of uh, America's wage earners and the payroll professionals who prepare their paychecks accurately, on time, every time. During National Payroll Week, the, the APA encourages everyone who works to do a paycheck checkup. And the point of that is to look for some simple ways to maximize your earnings and boost your savings. All right. I want to know um, this paycheck uh, checkup. Uh, so why do we do it, and what does some of this stuff mean on the, pay on the check? Right. Well, let's start the paycheck checkup by looking at our tax withholdings uh, that we selected on our Form W-4. That's the form that we use to tell our employer how much income tax to withhold from our pay. Mm -hmm. Now, last year, the tax tables were overhauled, and as a result, some people who expected a refund ended up actually owing the IRS. Right. And meanwhile, many of us are overwithheld in, in every paycheck. So. Mm -hmm. Um, on our website, nationalpayrollweek.com, we link to the IRS's tax withholding estimator. This is an online tool that we can use to determine whether we're having the proper amount of taxes withheld from our pay. All right. Now, in terms of the benefits, and obviously that's a big one because I've, I've had some issues there myself with the amount mm. that I've had withheld. So what are some other benefits of doing this payroll checkup besides the tax aspects? Well, the, two in particular come to mind. By, by making a few adjustments to how you're being paid, you can save on your taxes set aside money in a rainy day fund, or, or even boost your take-home pay. Now, we suggest that everyone do two things, especially if you're paid by direct deposit. Ask your payroll department to split your paycheck into different bank accounts, say uh, part of it into your checking oh. account so you can pay your bills, part of it into savings for that vacation that you're planning. Now, when it happens automatically, you don't have to think about it. It just your payroll professional is taking care of it for you. And second, be sure to participate in an, in an employer-provided retirement plan, like a 401k plan. Money that you put aside in a 401k plan lowers your taxable income. So not only are you setting aside money for retirement, but you're also helping out your current financial situation. And many employers match all or part of what employees contribute. Yes. So if an employer's yeah, if an employer is doing that and the employee does not participate, then they're turning down free money. Yes. And th those are three tips to to increase your paycheck, increase your savings, and to maximize your retirement savings. That's good, William. I like that. All right. I also understand that the American Payroll Association is offering education scholarships this year. Can you tell us a little about that? We are. It is, uh, it's back to school time. So um, as part of our National Payroll Week campaign, APA wants to educate everyone who works about their paychecks. And on Money Matters National Education Day, September 5th, volunteers will be educating our next generation of workers on important information that, that will serve them well later in life. 
like uh, like the Form W-4 and how paychecks are calculated and the, the pros and cons of various payment methods. Now this year, along with our program sponsor, Workday, we're offering three scholarships to high school and college students. The application is free. Students just need to answer a short quiz about how paychecks work. And for more information about National Payroll Week, about Money Matters scholarships, and about our Getting Paid in America survey, and the, the, the prize for that is a free paycheck and a dream vacation for two. Wow. All of that information is available on nationalpayrollweek.com. Oh, hey, they got some good stuff there. Nationalpayrollweek.com. Scholarships, a prize, a trip, a survey, uh, lots of good info. Anything else you want to add, William? Those are the biggies. Um, our website has some terrific information. And well, one thing I would like to add, uh, thank your payroll professional during National Payroll Week. This is the time to, to recognize the, the hard work that they do and show your appreciation for the fact that they get your paycheck uh, right and on time every time. Yes, thank you, Heather and Alicia. You're right, that is a lot of work. Thank you so much, William. NationalPayrollWeek.com. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. The preceding program is sponsored by The Good News with Angie Austin. You're tuned to AM670, KLTT Commerce City, Denver, KLTT HD, and streaming worldwide at 670KLTT.com. In so many ways, we live in the last days of civilization. 911, a day when America, unaware and unsuspecting, was attacked at its core and the tallest and strongest examples of our great society destroyed in a heartbeat. We the people were attacked and abused. The World Trade Center destroyed and many of our fellow Americans' lives tragically lost. The message was loud and clear, yet our concern is lacking more with each passing year. We desire to live free as we are democratically. So we the people must never forget. As citizens, we are entitled to full civil rights. We must remember 911 and defend who we are. If we as a people do not, we will lose our lifestyle, life and liberty, job and employment, and most importantly, our freedom. We, you and I, must make sure that Americans never forget. This is the Public Square from the American Policy Roundtable. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Dave Zanotti. Dave, this is a sober moment in American history this day. We need to stop every September 11th and remember what happened so that we don't forget. And we need to stop and remember what happened, Wayne, not because of some horrible desire for self-torture or emotionalism or to get revenge or to get even, but simply so that we acknowledge the fact that we are vulnerable. Hmm. I think one of the greatest lessons to come out of September 11th is that we didn't see this coming. Now, it wasn't that the technology was unavailable. It wasn't that we were protected by great oceans and we couldn't be touched. No, all those things had changed. We didn't see an enemy in plain sight. And we missed it. 
Now, there are people today who think there was conspiracies this and conspiracies that. All right, even if they were right, we didn't see them in plain sight. I'm not suggesting they were right. No, but I'm saying no matter where you look at it, one of the great lessons of September 11th is that we as Americans have such a magnificent lifestyle. We enjoy our civil and liberties and our religious liberties and our opportunities and our prosperity so much that we forget there is evil in the world. There are bad people who want to do bad things to good, innocent people. Not perfect people, but innocent people. And, and we so often forget that a free world is always at risk of being attacked by evil. Lest we forget, take time on this 9-11 to thank God for America and its freedoms, its liberty. You've been listening to The Public Square. You'll hear more on our website, thepublicsquare.com. Thanks for listening. This is News, Politics, and Commentary with Bob Duco. It's hard to believe it's been 18 years but that's right, it was 18 years ago today, September 11th, 2001, that the United States suffered its worst ever terrorist attack. And I remember that day. You know, we'd say never forget. I don't know that we could forget even if we tried. Do you remember where you were when the 9-11 attacks happened? I remember vividly, I was driving into work, and as I was driving, listening to the radio, it came on the news that one of the trade towers was hit by a plane. So I remember calling my producer and saying, hey, for the show today, why don't you get somebody from the FAA to come on and we could talk about what happened. And then a few minutes later, listening to the news, they reported a second plane had now hit the second tower. And immediately I called my producer and said, scrap the FAA. We need a terrorism expert. We're obviously under terrorist attack. I remember getting to the station. And as I was driving up, hearing on the report that one of the towers, that it had collapsed, and then getting into the studio and turning on the TV and then watching the other tower collapse, and thinking of the time that I stood at the top of those towers at one time, and now it's just open air, and the thousands of lives lost. I don't know that we could forget this day if we ever wanted to, and who would want to? So when I think about 9-11, there's a few different things that come to mind. One of them is, yes, we don't ever want to forget what happened in the lives that were lost. But also, number two, we can't get complacent when it comes to fighting terrorism. I look at what's going on in Afghanistan right now. I think about President Trump scheduling those secret meetings with the Taliban and with the president of Afghanistan in an effort to try to bring about a peace deal and pull us out of Afghanistan. And then, of course, the president, he canceled the meeting when the Taliban stupidly went ahead and carried out another terrorist attack. And President Trump was from a position of strength saying, forget it, that's it. As far as I'm concerned, our negotiation deal is dead. So that was the right tough message for him to send to the Taliban, who attempted to send a tough message to President Trump. What that does mean is it slows the process of us leaving Afghanistan. Look, a lot of us want the Afghan war to be over. It's been nearly 18 years we've been over in Afghanistan fighting this. And the idea of seeing American lives lost, yes, that's painful even though there's way, way more Taliban being killed. As a matter of fact, in just the last couple of weeks alone, there's been well over 1,000 Taliban killed. So way more of them than us. But a lot of people are, after 17, 18 years, war, 
weary. And I get that. But we can never get so weary as we suddenly forget that if we pull out of Afghanistan too soon, the very same thing is going to happen that happened in Iraq when Barack Obama pulled us out of there too soon. It created a vacuum. And guess what? Between Syria and Iraq, ISIS formed. And then we got ISIS. Do we want that to happen again? If we pull out of Afghanistan too soon, it creates a vacuum. And what happens is the Taliban cozies up once again, gives safe haven to al-Qaeda, and al-Qaeda is able to reestablish themselves, maybe plot and plan another 9-11 attack, maybe morph into a new ISIS kind of even more powerful organization than they were before. We cannot let that happen. So as much as we went out of Afghanistan, we can also never forget the danger of terrorism, and we don't want to go back to a Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.